On uh, Christmas morning, the angel declared to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You know, the fact that Jesus was born was indeed good news. And the word translated good news is also the word we translate gospel. But the good news didn't become the gospel until the babe born in Bethlehem became the man who died on Calvary and then came forth victoriously from the grave. You know, without the resurrection... The birth of Jesus is nothing more than the birth of a great man. For it is the resurrection that qualifies Jesus to be our Savior. And it's His resurrection that assures us that our own resurrection is possible. Well, along with all their other problems... It seems that the Corinthians had a problem believing in the resurrection. They just couldn't believe, they couldn't get it into their head, that a body, once it had decayed and returned to dust, could ever be resurrected. Now, apparently they still held to the resurrection of Jesus, But they had begun denying that anyone else would ever have a bodily resurrection. So Paul wrote for them and us the great 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The resurrection chapter. Two very significant chapters in 1 Corinthians. The love chapter and the resurrection chapter. We're going to be spending some time looking at chapter 15, several weeks, because it's vitally important. And Paul begins to get us into an understanding of the resurrection and its importance and and how it all takes place by reminding the Corinthians and us of the reality of Jesus' resurrection, and then tying it to our own. Answering questions about what our resurrected bodies will be like, and how and when this change will take place. Obviously, this is very important material. And something that I'm convinced we all want to understand, we, we need to understand... For the resurrection, Jesus's and ours, is the heart of the gospel. If we don't understand the resurrection, we don't understand what we have in Christ. And our faith is so shallow that we'll not be able to see our way through the struggles of this life. The resurrection is the key to the gospel and to who we are. In order to understand Christmas, which we just celebrated, 
we must understand the gospel. And that means we must understand the resurrection. But we begin where Paul does, by taking another look at Jesus' own resurrection, a matter of faith, fact, and first-hand witnesses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. The way Paul begins here makes it clear that the gospel is a matter of faith. It's something that the Corinthians believed. And what he says to them about the gospel outlines for us the nature of saving faith. We speak of it all the time, but what does it mean to have saving faith? What is it we believe? And what difference does it make? Well, apparently the Corinthians had begun losing sight of what Paul had taught them. And so he begins by saying, let me tell you again the gospel, the good news that I preached to you. And by simply Beginning and saying that, Paul reminds us of a couple very simple yet essential facts about good news. It has to be told and someone has to hear it. You know, the greatest facts never become good news unless someone hears them. So Paul says, let me tell them to you again. You know, sometimes we have heard something, but we need to hear it again. And the gospel is something we need to hear over and over again. Because it doesn't become good news until we really hear it. Until we understand it. Until we really believe it. And we have to believe it. We have to believe it. You know, if we don't believe something is true, maybe we even think it's too good to be true, it will never be good news because we'll fail to respond to it. You can't just hear it. You've got to believe it. And it has to be true. You have to accept it. It has to affect you somehow. Well, fortunately, the Corinthians had responded to the message that Paul had preached when he was there. And in responding to it, it had become for them good news. They had received it. In fact, he says, they were standing in it. I like that. They were standing in it. What a picturesque way of saying they were basing their life on it. It wasn't just a religious belief they contemplated on Sunday morning. It was a foundation of their life. It wasn't just something they believed in their mind. They were standing in it. I like standing in it even better than on it. It overwhelmed them. It had become the foundation of everything. They had learned something that changed everything. They had heard truth so overwhelming in its implication that they made it the central focus, 
the prime fact of their life. That's what faith should be for us. And then Paul says they were being saved by it. It's interesting, the Greek is in the present tense here. Not only had they been saved by the gospel, their sins had been forgiven. And ultimately, would they be saved by it? They would one day enter into the reward, but they were presently being saved by it. Their faith was keeping them in a saved condition. Their faith was keeping them cleansed in the sight of God. So their faith was presently active. And it had to be presently active in order to be saving faith. If they let go of their faith, if they quit trusting in the good news that Paul had preached to them, their belief, he says, would have been in vain. Empty. Meaningless. Accomplished nothing. Now, that's, that's a bit scary. And many don't want to believe that. In fact, it's amazing how hard some commentators try to get around this truth. They do not want to admit that Paul says it's possible to lose your faith. To have saving faith and then lose it. Having believed in vain. But the Bible teaches that to be a very real possibility. Faith is not something you get and that's that. It's not, it's not a religious virus with no known cure. Faith is something you have to hang on to. Something you have to live by. It's accepting certain facts as true and then basing your life upon those facts. And those facts are of the utmost importance. And so Paul simply spells them out again for us. And the facts of the gospel are very simple. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day According to the scriptures. That is the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the heart of the gospel. And it's, it's very simple. It's very simple. Paul said, I told you the good news that Christ told to me that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. Those are the facts we must believe. The truths upon which we must base our life. Those facts are the gospel. They are the good news. The first fact is simply that Christ died. That Christ died. And like his birth, his death, was an historical event, well attested to in religious and secular literature. There's no question about it. Jesus Christ died on a cross 
outside Jerusalem. That's a fact. And we not only know that he died, we know why he died. He died for our sins. The Scriptures make that very clear. Isaiah declared the righteous one would bear the sin of many. And John declared Jesus to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Sin that came into the world through man's rebellion against his Creator. And man's rebellion had consequences. The penalty for rebellion against God is death. And God is a God of justice, so justice demanded the penalty be paid. But God is also a God of mercy, so He paid the penalty Himself. He did it by coming to earth, taking on the form of man, living a sin-free life, and then dying in our place. That's the gospel. If someone asks you what you believe, tell them that. I believe that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And that changes everything. Everything. That is the gospel. Jesus died. He really, really died. You know, he didn't just swoon on the cross like skeptics will try to convince us again this coming Easter. He died. He was pronounced dead by Roman soldiers, and his body was wrapped in linen and spices and buried in a sealed tomb. There's no doubt about it. Jesus Christ died. However, in and of itself, that isn't really good news that he died. The good news is that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. It had been prophesied centuries before and recorded in Scripture that Christ would conquer death. And Jesus himself said he would come back from the grave in three days. And he did. He did. That's a fact. And that is the good news. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. And he was raised on the third day. That's what we must believe in order to be Christians. We've got to trust in that and base our life on those facts to be saved from the penalty of sin. Now, it's not too hard to believe that a man named Jesus died for us and was buried. You know, many have died for others in the course of human history. But this fact about the resurrection, that's the kicker. That's the one that's hard to believe. And that's why Paul goes on to remind us of the first-hand witnesses who saw him alive 
after the resurrection. Verses 5 through 11. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as it were to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles, whom am not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. The resurrection is a historical event. But how do you prove a historical event? Any historical event. You know, you can't prove in a scientific laboratory that George Washington ever lived. You can't mix together some chemicals and recreate George Washington and say, see, here he is. You can't do that. So why do we get so uptight when someone tells us that we can't prove our faith scientifically? Historical events go beyond the bounds of scientific inquiry. But the underlying facts of our faith can be proven historically. And for the Christians in Corinth who were doubting the resurrection, they could be proven judicially. There were witnesses, first-hand witnesses to the life and death of Jesus. And most importantly, there were eyewitnesses to his resurrection. And most of them were still alive 25 years after it happened when Paul is writing this letter. If they doubted the resurrection or had questions about the nature of Christ's resurrected body, they could talk to those who had actually seen him. They could talk to the witnesses themselves. Cephas, or Peter, was still alive, and he had seen him. It was obvious Peter had seen the risen Lord. How else could you explain his change. You know, he had denied Jesus three times when he thought he was in danger before the crucifixion. But now he put his life on the line daily without fear. He knew that Jesus had been raised from the dead. He had seen him. And so had all the rest of the apostles. That band of cowards who had scattered into the night when Jesus was arrested, was now boldly proclaiming Jesus as Lord under the threat of death. And no one willingly faces death for a lie they have concocted. They had seen the risen Lord. And rather than deny their faith in a resurrected Savior, 
they willingly died for him because they knew without a shadow of doubt that the dead could rise again. They had no fear in death because death had been proven to not be the end. And then, don't forget the 500 who became Christians, who became brethren after seeing the resurrected Christ. That just hit me this week. He says the 500 brethren who saw him. Well, they weren't brethren when they saw him. They were believers when they saw him. They became believers after they had seen him. And now there was a group of 500 Christians who could say, we saw him and we were changed by him. We became Christians because we saw the resurrected Lord. That's amazing. What an affirmation. What a proof that he's there. That he's alive. That's pretty neat. Pretty neat. They all saw Jesus at the same time. And and these were just ordinary Galileans with nothing to gain for lying about the resurrection. They all saw him. They were all changed by him. And in essence, Paul is telling them, ask him about it. Most of them are still around. You know, a few of them have fallen asleep, but most of them are still around. So if you have questions, go ask them. And then don't, don't forget about me. Jesus appeared to me too. Now, I'm kind of a Johnny-come-lately. I didn't get to see him between the resurrection and ascension, but I did see him after the ascension, and he certainly changed me. I persecuted the church. I hunted Christians down. I handed them over to Jewish authorities for execution. I thought they were unfaithful Jews, blasphemers who were spreading lies about God. But the resurrected Christ appeared to me and called me to be an apostle. And then I worked harder for the spread of the gospel than all of the other apostles. I've seen him. I know it's true. He came back from the dead. So check it out. He says, check it out. Examine the evidence. Ask the witnesses. There's no denying it. Jesus was raised from the dead. It is a fact, and you can believe it. Now, obviously, we can't ask the witnesses today. They've been gone for nearly 2,000 years. But we can read their testimony. And we can examine the lives that many of them lived and what happened and how they lived out the truth of what they were witnessing about. We can look at that historically. There are records. We can determine whether the witnesses are credible witnesses or not. We've got enough evidence to go on. Enough evidence to make a rational judgment. Our faith is not irrational. It's based on evidence. 
We have the evidence, the historical evidence to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. We've got enough evidence to believe that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and was raised again. We've got the facts on which to base our faith. The only question for us today is, are we going to receive this good news and stand in it or not? Are we going to ignore the best news man has ever heard? Or are we going to accept it and build our life upon it? The facts are in. Jesus died for you. The question that remains is, are you willing to live for him?